0: Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador.
1: Yeah, you know what? They've, they've been great now. I, I think that, um, as you see with our coaching staff, we've got different personalities now. You know, we've got two guys that have coached for over 40 years, and Richard Smith and Rod Marinelli. we got young staff. So I think, um, you know, to your point, we, I think it's a that we all have different personalities because everybody needs somebody and and uh, you know someone where the players can go to and respond to. But as far as picking up the information, been very good. I mean, uh, I give a credit to the players. Now they got great attention. They they really want to understand it and they really want to be you know great at what they do. And it's our job to kind of look at them and find out their skill set and put them in the best position.
0: That's Raiders defensive coordinator, uh, Gus Bradley. And uh, I think John Gruden uh, brought this up as well. He, Not just John, uh, uh, Gus Bradley, but Ron Milas, the defensive backs coach, Richard Smith, uh, the linebacker coach. Obviously, Rod Marinelli, a holdover uh, coach from last year, uh, the defensive line coach. When Gus Bradley got hired by the Raiders, I got a text from somebody who wanted the job, was literally in the running for the job. And he said to me, Gus is going to bring Ron Miles with them. He's going to bring Richard Smith with them. There are not two better coaches in the NFL. You're going to love covering them. Those guys are studs. They are both studs. That was like literally what was texted to me. And that was from a guy that wanted the job, all right? So that tells you sometimes how close the NFL community is. But more importantly, the amount of respect for Gus Bradley And uh, in particular, Ron Miles and uh, Richard Smith, uh, the defensive backs coach and uh, linebacker coach. Um, So it can't be understated the importance that they uh, have in this operation. And you can see it on the field. There's a lot of positivity. There's a lot of enthusiasm. There's a lot of passion. Uh, There's a lot of uh, uh, constructive criticism, communication teaching. I really like what I'm seeing from this coaching staff led by Gus Bradley, uh, Ron Myles, Richard Smith, uh, Rod Marinelli, and as Gus said, there's different personalities, so you're still getting some crusty old football coach, uh, you know, stick your foot in the you-know-what from time to time, but more than anything, there's just a ton of teaching going on, and the players seem really, really responsive. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in our good friend, uh, Evan Grote. Uh, He hosts uh, the uh, podcast, Just Pod Baby. Maybe, Evan, uh, first of all, thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. I really appreciate it. Uh, Hearing Gus Bradley today, and I think that fans that were watching live got a sense of the ball of energy that Gus Bradley is, the ball of positivity that he is, how fired up he is, the positivity, all of that, I think that came across. I know that about him, uh, and I was told by people who have worked with him and covered him, uh, this dude is, he brings it on a daily basis. Uh, just from that perspective, uh, what were your uh, initial thoughts hearing Gus Bradley talk for the first time, basically, um, you know, since the offseason began?
1: Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it. Uh, I'm starting to get real excited about uh, having him on, on this coaching staff now. And let's make no mistake about it: of all the changes that have been made to the defense this this off season, the biggest, the most important change was at defensive coordinator. And that, and that was that's not a knock on the former uh, coordinator Paul Gunther, but he was just not able to get it done here uh, with the Raiders. It's now going to be up to Gus Bradley. We know he has a very good reputation in the league as a as a great defensive mind, one of the architects of that uh, Legion of Boom defense. He's a great communicator. Uh, I've heard quote uh, former players speak very highly of him. And as you just mentioned, he brings with him a uh, high quality assistance. And, and you know, it, it's going to be up to him now to, to turn this defense around. And it's got to happen this year. They've invested a lot of draft picks, some very high draft picks at that uh, on the defense in in recent years and they spent a lot of money the past three seasons in free agency and they've had some misses there but Bradley has to fix this defense because there's pressure on this team to win right now the offense a year ago was a top 10 offense most of us do not expect uh, you know a major drop off from that side of the ball so once again the success of the 2021 season is going to be on the shoulders of that defense so it is uh, there is a, a big part of the responsibility here with the new coordinator and and Gus Bradley.
0: And I think that it's it's important um, to differentiate that it's not just pressure uh, because there's always pressure. And in year four under John Gruden, obviously it's like, Hey, come on, it's time to happen. It's got to happen now. So there is that pressure and it's obvious, but along with that, Evan, I get the sense that from within there's an expectation and, it's a little bit different than where it was. And I can, I can, I can honestly say that where there's a real expectation, like it should happen. Like there's no reason why it shouldn't happen. And I say that to say this, I think that they're at that point now where if you're ready to contribute, you're on board. If you're not, if there's still some development time and all this, and you're just not ready, you're not going out there on the field until you are, and you might lose your job as a result. And I think that's a healthy, Turn for the Raiders. It was understandable that parts of these last couple of years was there was a long range vision, and you're getting guys on the field, young players that you've invested draft picks and high draft picks in, um, with the expectation and maybe even the understanding it might not work initially, but we're thinking about this in the long haul. I think the long haul has been reduced to right now, and if you're ready to contribute, you'll 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 get on the field. If not, it doesn't matter who you are we'll move on to somebody else and find somebody else who is uh, able to contribute. Listening to John Gruden talk and kind of mention those things, do you get the feeling that that's where they are now uh, as they look at themselves?
1: Oh, yeah. I would. I absolutely get the sense, you know, from afar that uh, they are kind of in a, 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 I guess I would say a win now where they feel like they have a better opportunity to win now than they did have in the, in the previous three seasons that Gruden has been back. And, you know, I think a lot of that comes from the fact that you know, although he, he pretty much gutted the roster when he first got here, acquired a lot of uh, draft picks, a lot of young players, brought in some new defensive players, uh, they were close, right? And I think so based on what we have seen in the last two years to be kind of in the mix at the midpoint of the season at 6-3 and three and 6-4 and four and back-to-back seasons, they know that they aren't, they aren't that far away. Um, you know, the hope is that the defense can, can, can improve this year. And if so, they should be well on their way to, to being a playoff team in, in 2021. But I do agree with you. I, I do think, based on what you're hearing from some of the coaches and the players as well, is that there is a different feel, there's a different vibe out there this year, and that expectations are that this team will be will be a playoff team.
0: Evan, I give Yannick Ngakwe a lot of credit. Um, you know, his arrival here uh, with the Raiders in Las Vegas. You know, uh, there there it came with some sense of. He might be, you know, nudging Max Crosby aside. Max Crosby is going to be an important and focal and uh, integral part of this defense, but his role might change just because they signed a player that kind of plays the same position as he does, right? So, um, and 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 so th- there could be some awkwardness sometimes along with that. I thought Unique was very shrewd, and it kind of gave you a glimpse of who he is as a person and as a teammate to really. Come out today strongly uh, and saying, and including Max Crosby. Hey, whatever success I have, it's going to be an us thing. We together, Max and I, can be a tandem that's as good, if not better, than anyone in the NFL. I really think that it was important and shrewd and significant that he had the the awareness and the self awareness that hey, um, you know, this could be awkward or we could really turn this into something special and. I can be part of that or I could be in charge of that by how I approach this what do you think of uniques or, or what do you think of uh, approach with he and Max crosby
1: yeah you know it's really hard not to be excited about the addition uh, of a guy in unique you know one of the premier pass rushers in the league and he's only 26 years old he still might have some some his better years or might be ahead of him still you know and he and he brings something to the defense that has been missing really since uh, the departure of Khalil Mack, and, and that's just a legitimate threat on the edge that opposing offensive coordinators, you know, you've got a game plan for him. You have to know where he is at all times. And, and on top of that, as you mentioned about Max Crosby, he's going to help benefit a lot of these other guys along that defensive line, hopefully a Cleveland Farrell, a Carl Nassib, and a Memphis as well. But I, I think the biggest beneficiary, and he talked about it today, will be Max Crosby. Finally, Crosby's going to have a guy lined up on the other side of him that's going to be able to consistently you know, dial up some pressure. And that should really open up things for Crosby. And, and, and now what they need uh, is they need to be able to get something from the interior. I'm talking about Quentin Jefferson, Darius, Darius Phylon, you know, Those are the guys I'm talking about. If they can get that done, now this defense is cooking with some gas. But, yeah, I'm really excited about everything that I'm hearing out of Henderson about Ngakwe in regards to his, his work ethic. Uh, the leadership that he's going to bring to this defense, uh, again, a legit, legitimate threat, and and on top of all of that, as you were kind of alluding to, it sounds like he's a really good person and, and a great teammate. So I am expecting some some big things from him this year.
0: We're talking to Evan Grote, uh, and uh, you can follow him uh, at egroat five. He's also uh, the contributor, uh, the host of uh, Just Pod uh, Baby. They do a great job uh, over over there. Uh, as it relates to the defense and it relates to Casey Hayward, we talked about this last week or or might've been the week before. Uh, I think it was last week, but uh, how Casey Hayward, it sure sounds like he wants to remain on the outside. Um, And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um, There was an assumption that maybe Damon Arnett could move inside. He's played that position at Ohio state. The sense that I get um, as of right now, uh, that might not be uh, in the cards as well. Um, So, what happens to Damon Arnett if Casey Hayward uh, is the starter on the, on the outside? And it sure sounds like, talking to Gus Bradley today, guys like Amik Robertson, guys like Nate uh, Hobbs, the rookie from Illinois, are starting to make a move uh, in that cornerback room and specifically at that slot cornerback position. But when the dust settles, what do you think is going to happen with Damon Arnett?
1: You know, that's a great question. And we, and we did talk about this topic last week. And, you know, I, I try not to make too much, Uh, from what we're hearing from, you know, OTAs and mini-camp practices, but it is all we have to go on right now, and, and, you know, I I do expect some things to change once these guys get into pads. Um, You know, Arnett was talked about as a physical player and those types of things, so maybe he'll shine a little bit more once the pad comes on, but I am concerned. I I still am concerned about Damon Arnett. Um, You know, I'll say it again. I scratched my head when they made him the the 19th overall pick in, in the draft. Um, you know, he struggled in year one, and he, he dealt with the injuries, you know, the setbacks that he dealt with. We are well-documented at this point. But, you know, based on what we've been hearing uh, out of camp, you know, our mini-camp, I'm not sure I have gained any more confidence in him. Uh, that's for sure. And, you know, it, it's concerning both in the short term and the long term because in the short term, while, you know, it's still early in his career, he's only in year two, you know, you hate to see the organization make big swings and misses with first round picks, and then in the long term, you know, if Arnett should not uh, come around here in year two and year three, well, then you're kind of getting back to the drawing board again, and, and you're you're you know throwing throwing darts at the wall again, hoping something sticks, to try to find yourself a long term solution at cornerback to play alongside uh, Trayvon Mullen. But you know, as far as uh, Arnett right now, you hope that. Uh, you hope that the competition that he's going to be involved here with, with, with guys like Hobbs and, and Robertson and, uh, you know, Nevin Lawson, hopefully that brings out the best in him. And, and that's that's what the, the plan has been with this defense, is to bring in more depth and more talent and, and more competition. So you, you, you hope that kind of lights a fire under a player like Dam, Damon
0: Arnett. For some reason, that cornerback position, not just for the Raiders, but across the board, especially as it relates to young players, making that transition to the NFL and and, and a lot of times the higher drafted ones, uh, for that matter, it just seems like a volatile position. It's hard to get success. Early on, um, I mean, I mean, you know, there were, there's there's been a couple of guys who have stepped on the field early on and, and, and done pretty well, but it's it's becoming fewer and far. Is that even a word? Far fewer and farer uh, between. Why do you think that is?
1: You know, that's a great question. That that is a great question, and I'm not sure I have I have a great answer for it. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's a very difficult position to, uh, to play in the league. You, know, you you're you're dealing with some extremely uh, talented, uh, players on the other side. Um, it, it's a big jump to make from the college level t- to the pro level. And, uh, I just think maybe some of these players, uh, you know, although they had some exce- success, success at the college level, uh, they, they get into the league and they're, they're dealing with some different animals here. You know, I mean, these, these guys are uh, you're talking about guys like Tyreek Hill and, 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 uh, Julio Jones and, and, you know, the list goes on and on with some of these elite wide receivers in the league and, and, um, you know, uh, it, it, that that must have something to do with it. It's just a big jump for some of these young guys, and, and it just doesn't always pan out for them.
0: Evan, uh, whether, whether John Gruden was trying to talk it into existence or uh, plant the seed in his own head and make sure it, it, it grows and stays there, uh, but um, talking to him about Henry Ruggs uh, earlier today and about how, you know, hey, look, here's a guy that got hurt. He dealt with COVID. There were a lot of issues that kind of held him back uh, last year. Nevertheless, when he was on the field, the offense was productive. It helped Darren Waller. Uh, But they want to see, um, you know, Henry Ruggs be more than just what he was last year. Uh, They want to get him touches they want to get him numbers they feel like he's going to be an integral part of this offense Um, and I think that that's a must there's no question about it how do you see that evolving uh, this year and how do you see Henry Ruggs's role growing and prospering
1: yeah I was actually really happy to hear Gruden uh, speak about that today because recall last year a lot of times when when he was asked about Ruggs you know he kind of I don't want to say put the blame on Ruggs but he, he made it Sound as if the issue was more with rugs just not being ready, not being developed, and less about maybe Gruden's responsibility in, in, in the fact that maybe Ruggs didn't have the rookie season that you know maybe we, we thought he should have. So the fact that Gruden came out and said you know I want to get him more uh, involved, uh, I'm not sure if those were his, his exact words, but he, he alluded to that point that you know Ruggs obviously needs to be more of a featured uh, weapon in the offense. I think that's a great sign. Um, and, you know, the fact that Ruggs has the offseason this year, I think that's going to do wonders for him. Um, you know, he's added the size that we've talked about before. He looks to be in great shape. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I think Ruggs will be a, a very big part of this offense this year. I, I'm expecting his numbers to, you know, possibly even double. Uh, if, he, if this guy doesn't have, you know, 50 catches this year for close to 900 yards, I, I, would, be, I would be really surprised.
0: And if it uh, eases any of the uh, anxiety of, of the rest of Raider Nation, I did talk to Derek Carr yesterday, uh, spent some time with him, and we talked about Henry Ruggs, and uh, and, and the, kind of the way he, he described it to me is that he felt like something clicked uh, in Henry's head. Now, he didn't disparage him off last year. In fact, he praised him for the effect that he had on the overall operation. Uh, but he said, like any player... You know, once you get that year of film under your belt and you look back, you kind of are like, okay, this is what it takes, you know, and and some people do it and some people don't from that point forward. And uh, Derek was very adamant that Henry showed up and and was basically like, nah, man, I'm, I'm going to be one of the guys that does do it. And he's been really excited about what he's seen. So between John Gruden and, and Derek Carr, and let's face it, besides Henry Ruggs himself, those are the two most important people when it comes to what this season could be like for Henry Ruggs, because one guy is calling the plays, the other guy is getting them, distributing the ball. Uh, so there aren't two better players or people to have in your corner and to recognize what you're doing and the work that you're putting in than John Gruden and Derek Carr. So if 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 everything lines up, I'm with you. I think he has a chance to maybe double his numbers. Uh, but again, that seed has to be planted in John Gruden's head. The confidence has to grow within Derek Carr because. They're the ones who are going to ultimately determine how many touches uh, Henry Ruggs is going to get. Evan, thanks so much for the time. We always appreciate it. We always uh, appreciate the, uh, the insight uh, and the light that you shed uh, on the Raiders. Uh, take care of yourself. Have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you down the road, man.
1: Yes, anytime, Vinny. Appreciate, appreciate you having me on. Have a good weekend.
0: You got it. That's Evan Grote from Just Pod, baby. And uh, just like Evan, um, you know, my antenna went up uh, talking to John Gruden about about uh, Henry Ruggs and the plan that's in place for him uh, to get him on track, uh, to get him the touches and the numbers uh, that I think that he's capable of putting out there. It might not have been that he was ready last year. That's OK. That happens. He was hurt, got hurt earlier in the year. There were some COVID-19 uh, issues. We've talked about this many times that train leaves the train it starts chugging down the road. uh, And those young players have a tough time sometimes catching back up to it because it ain't going to slow down for you ever. You got to catch up to it. And then you got to find your way back into uh, the whole scheme of things. That's tough sometimes, especially in a year like last year, which was unlike any that I've ever experienced. Uh, I think with the foundation that that Henry's building right now, the year that he has under his belt, the way he's changed his body a little bit um, and worked on some of the areas that the Raiders asked him to, as Derek Carr said, he's getting in and out of his cuts violently. He's running violent routes. That's what Derek said to me yesterday. So uh, that's probably a pretty good sign uh, that things are getting ready to turn around for Henry Ruggs. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajada. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. We've made some
2: some changes that are, in some people's eyes, uh, questionable. But we're, we're younger. I think we're faster. I think we do have more depth. That's
0: John Gruden um... Trust me when I say John Gruden, uh, he understands what he's talking about. Questionable in some people's eyes. Uh, There's a little bit of a mischievous side, obviously, to John Gruden. Uh, And that's a little finger point at some of the people uh, outside his building that have uh, criticized some of the moves this offseason. You know, what are you going to do? You're you're always going to have that. And in the Raiders, um, you know, once they start winning, uh, that changes everything. It changes the perception, and and honestly, that's on the Raiders to do that. Uh, you build a um, uh, some prolonged success, or you put some prolonged success uh, out there. Um, all of a sudden, the decisions that people were scratching their heads about uh, a year ago will all all of a sudden be decisions that well, that's a great move. You know, it's just how it kind of works. Um, somebody a long time ago told me, um, you know, when you're covering. Any team, really, uh, whatever it is that you're covering, whatever team that you're covering, really at this point, all you can judge things on is did the, did the offseason make sense? Did what they do – is is what they did this offseason, did, did it seem like there was a plan? Did it seem like, um, you know, uh, 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 they executed and did something that for the most part, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And it's hard not to look at what the Raiders did this year in this offseason Without saying, yeah, it kind of made sense. Drafting Alec Leatherwood uh, to play right tackle. He's not even replacing Trent Brown. It's almost ridiculous to say that. Trent Brown played 16 games over the last two years. Uh he played four games last year. Alex Leatherwood isn't replacing Trent Brown. He's replacing Sam Young for crying out loud. And Sam Young could, you know, is is a backup tackle again uh with the with the Raiders. Uh but you don't want him playing as many games as he played last year. You know, uh he's a backup for a reason. So uh that made sense. Um you know the, the the changes along the offensive line. Do you always want to do that? That type of thing. No, but money sometimes comes into play. The Raiders' offensive line last year was the most expensive offensive line in the NFL. They got all of four plays from that offensive line. Um, and even when Rodney Hudson was out there, even when Gabe Jackson was out there, they were still the 21st ranked um, run blocking unit. They were the 17th ranked pass blocking unit. That's that's just okay. And for the money that they were being paid and that unit was being paid, that wasn't good enough. So the Raiders decided, look, is there some risk in switching out Rodney Hudson for um, Andre James? Yeah, there's there's risk until Andre James shows that he's capable. That's going to be a bit of a question mark. Uh, I think Denzel Good, a combination of Denzel Good and, um, you know, uh, they're going to be okay at the right guard position uh, replacing Gabe Jackson. I think Denzel good is going to be able to, to handle that. So um, it, you know, sometimes you have to do that. Every team comes to a point where you can't keep everybody on a year to year basis. At some point money comes into play and the Raiders understood uh, there were a little bit, Out of balance along the offensive line in terms of how much they were uh, being paid and what that age was looking like, so they decided to get younger and more cost effective along the offensive line. That makes some sense, and plus they had to pay Colton Miller, their right tackle. He was due for a big payday. They got that taken, you know, taken care of um, by doing it a little bit early. Uh, They get out in front of that, so. Everything always goes up. That tackle position group is going to, the salary is going to continue to go up as it always does. Uh, The Raiders have that now secured and in place. Uh, So that makes sense. Um, Bringing in Casey Hayward, who can't say that that doesn't make sense. Jepton Trayvon Morg, that makes sense. Bringing in Yannick Ngagwe, that obviously makes sense. So is it going to all work out? That's impossible to say (laughs) as of June 16th or June 17th or whatever today is. It's impossible to say. we we won't know until games actually get underway what you have to do. And the only thing you can do at this point and at this particular uh, moment, did the Raiders were the moves that they made? Did it make sense? And I think that they did uh, as John Gruden pointed out, not everybody did. Uh, There was some controversial (laughs) moves. Apparently I don't necessarily see them, um, but you know, it is what it is. Could you say that Alex Leatherwood was a reach? Um, maybe based on what you know, some of the boards had out there. De- Daniel Jeremiah, you know, and and Mel Kiper, and the the guys that are that get paid to go on TV and talk about draft picks. And I don't disrespect any of those guys; they're good at what 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 they do. But Daniel Jeremiah will be the first to tell you he doesn't drill down in the middle of the earth on all these guys the way an entire staff does for a professional football team, and we've mentioned this many times before. The Raiders are looking at things out of from, through their lens, just like the Rams do out of theirs, and the Cardinals do out of theirs, and the Giants do out of their uh, out of theirs. So a guy like Alec Leatherwood, in their eyes was the best option at tackle at that particular point in the draft based on what they're trying to do. And, you know, we've heard people talk about the importance of having an athletic right tackle uh, for that outside zone uh, that, that the Raiders like to run. So uh, a guy like Alex Leatherwood uh, who excels in that area, the former Outland trophy award winner at Alabama, uh, John Gruden has talked about him being a really smart guy. I'll say this. Um, And I've been I I go over to the offensive line. Uh, It's one of the first things I do during practice, uh, and I specifically (laughs) to watch Andre James and Alex Leatherwood. And there's been a couple of instances with Alex Leatherwood where um, one of the things that that happens during this time of year is uh, coaches just mentally challenge players. Right? They throw the kitchen sink uh, out at them, and very early on during OTAs, uh, they did a drill. Um, where it was it was Alex Leatherwood versus three defensive defenders, okay? And uh, Tom Cable stood behind Alex Leatherwood. They did this for all the tackles, but I'm talking about Alex Leatherwood here. The, 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 Tom Cable stood behind the tackle, and in this case, Alex Leatherwood, and gestured toward the defenders who had their eyes on Tom Cable. And he was giving them line plays, stunt plays to run. And the whole exercise was can Alex Leatherwood pick out the right guy to block in that situation and there were some intricate things that they were doing he passed the test every single time he didn't make one blemish each time he picked the right guy to block in that situation uh, based on the line call that was given to him it's a small thing but at this stage it's a big thing because what are coaches talking about right now. What's Gus Bradley talked about uh, with some of the young cornerbacks and defensive backs? Are you getting it? Are you understanding it? A lot of what's going on right now is quarter speed or you know just short of full speed uh, as they're walking through their assignments, which is vitally, vitally important. We've talked about this many times. What do you learn in a classroom? How do you apply it to the field? And while... It might take some players a couple of um, periods, a couple of reps to finally put what they saw in the classroom and what they were taught in the classroom uh, to to practical use on the field and useful in a useful way, in the right way. Alex Leatherwood was getting it like that, man. (laughs) There was no pulling him aside. Hey, here's what you did wrong every single time in the in the in the in the two periods that I saw specifically devoted to that, every single time he picked off the right guy. And that bodes pretty well. Um and, and so when John Gruden's talking about Alex Leatherwood uh being a smart player, uh at this point. That's really important for a young player. So I think that, um, you know, and, and it's just funny knowing John Gruden, uh, the way I've kind of gotten to know him a little bit, um, some of the way he uh, characterizes things and says things uh, in a way that, trust me, he sees, he sees the criticism. He sees some of the remarks. Uh, some of them are a bit, to me anyway, underhanded and not necessarily um, justified, but he's also knows that he's a target. He's John Gruden. He's been on TV. He's a character in a way uh, he's going to get his share of, of pot shots. Uh, but I think I could tell you this right now. Uh, John Gruden is very, very intent on changing the narrative about this team and with it, uh, he'll get the praise uh, that 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 he deserves. Uh, if he doesn't, you know, unfortunately, he gets the other side of it. That's just how it works. We're going to go to uh, Dave in Chino. Uh, wants to talk about uh, Derek Carr. How you doing, Dave?
2: Hey, Vinny. Uh, how are you doing? I uh, remember you from uh, 2015 when you were trying to get the uh, the stadium going in L.A. and you said the Raiders are going to be legendary in L.A., but they'll be legendary in Las Vegas, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So anyway, you know, I, it's been bothering about, uh, you know, the criticism to Derek, you know, and I, you got to go back and look at his history uh, in, you know, past few years, past 2016, of course, 16 was legendary, but 17, 18, and a little bit of 19, you know, he had some receivers that just weren't, weren't there. They're scrubs. You know, you look at a couple of them, they're probably out of the league right now, or they're in the Canadian league. They just weren't there. You know, he gets a lot of. I guess criticism for for you know, well oh, is this going to be the year? You know, uh, you know he's got to prove himself. Well, Really, you know, you put the, you got to put some weapons around him. And I think in twenty they did. And uh, you know, the problem in twenty, of course, was the defense, and I wish people would realize that. But you know, there's three or four games and I don't know if you've mentioned this multiple times. Uh, you know that, uh, that 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 the defense just let us down. And you know it, it, it. You know, and I love him saying that he wants to be a Raider for life. And that's that's the way my, you know, I'm a Raider for life, too. You know, I love the Raiders. And, uh, you know, it's great that we have people like that or teams or players like that, you know, because you had Khalil, you know, he left and Amari, he left, uh, you know. So anyway, I just wanted to point that out. And under, people need to understand the history of the wide receivers. And, you know, they really want to go back, you know, before uh, 2014 and take a look at the, of the quarterbacks we had, you know, from 2004 to 2014. It's pretty sad. So uh, you know and that's it I'm really excited to go to the game I'm just waiting for an email for my parking pass that's it Oculate, I appreciate
0: Dave. it Dave thanks so much uh, love chino uh, know it well um, don't be a stranger uh, give us a call back uh, I really appreciate uh, the input and you're and you're right I mean the you know the the, the, the talent around Derek Carr it's been subpar. Let's just be perfectly honest, and uh, it's okay to say that. It's okay to um, you know to it's it's not an excuse. Whatever that whatever it, it is, what it is. That's why John Gruden came in here and made the kind of moves that he's that that he's made. And you and you're right. They did improve the talent around him these last couple of years, and 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 there's still now some players: Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards, that um, that have a big step in their very immu- uh, immediate future. And uh, if, if, if that can happen, it changes it even more, the talent around him. And, you know, John Gruden brought up John Brown. Uh, he brought up Willie Sneed. I think Willie Sneed is a, um, is a, is a little bit of an underrated signing uh, by the Raiders. I love the attitude. I love the toughness. Um, I love... Uh, so the t- tenacity that he's bringing, he's going to get on the field now and uh, he's going to get his numbers as well and be a contributor uh, as well, especially in this offense. By the way, I um, just want to let you know that Embajador uh, Tequila, a lot of people ask, hey, where can I go get Embajador uh, Tequila? Uh, just quickly, uh, Alianto Casino, uh, all the Boyd properties, um, you know, go to the uh, go to their casinos, uh, the restaurant that they have uh, there at Aliente, uh Casino. Embajador Tequila uh, can be found there. XO Liquor here locally, Liquor World here locally, Liquor Outlet, uh, and Liquor uh, City. Uh, Those are all places where you could get uh, Embajador Tequila. And don't forget, obviously, Friday night, Michael T's uh, here in Las Vegas. Uh, Aloha Fridays. They do it every Friday night, Michael T's and Embajador Tequila. Uh, It's live Hawaiian music from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m., then 12 a.m. to 3 p.m. To 3 a.m., which is, I know that's when uh, DeMond Cotton, that's when that's right up his wheelhouse. That's when he's ready to rock and roll that 12 a.m. to 3 a.m. Uh, hour. Uh, uh, that's when they have the uh, live Hawaiian DJ DJ, excuse me, uh, and karaoke. So don't be surprised if you see Devon grab the microphone uh, and start doing his thing. Friday night, Michael T's Aloha Fridays, 9 8, 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. Great food. Obviously, imbajudo tequila, great entertainment, and who knows, you might hear Damon Cotton uh, cutting some uh, some music on the karaoke. So uh, go check it out Friday nights at Michael Teaser You're in the huddle, Bon Senior Brought to you by Embajador de tequila. Interact with the show, text Vinny at 69187, or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Again, like I said, it uh, it begins in camp. Um, we just got done with our uh, mini camp. We have one more day, actually, we just got done with our, uh, our practice. So um, when we report back, it's, going,
1: it's it's a certain standard we need to set from the day we uh, touch that field uh, to the day camp is over
0: with. and. Uh, Until we set that standard within ourselves, uh, we can't do it on the field versus other teams. So when we build that trust and we get the camaraderie going as far as camp, I feel like a lot of great things will happen. Gonna have to let that play just a little bit longer, George. Um, I've seen George um, too many times to count, and when you go see George Clinton and uh, Parliament Funk, and I did many times back in the day, uh, you better you better um, drink your coffee. You better drink your five hour energy, and that wasn't a, that, that wasn't around back uh, back when I went to go see him back in the day. Uh, do whatever you needed to do. Because it was going to be a long night. Sometimes George wouldn't get on stage until 1130 midnight or so. And he just knew that, understanding it. But it was so worth it once he did, uh, especially when he was with the P-Funk All-Stars. Um, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm just in my head. Uh, memories are kind of flooding back. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, Parliament Funk, uh, George Clinton it was uh that was quite the scene and uh and we were a big part of it so uh just throw that out there but prior to that uh Yanick was talking about um changing the culture setting a standard uh believing in themselves uh building toward that and developing that it doesn't happen overnight doesn't click overnight um, you know, the Raiders wrapped up mini camp today. Uh, they were supposed to practice tomorrow. It looks like that's been uh, canceled, uh, just to let everybody know. Uh, I think John Gruden was really happy with uh, the way things turned out this offseason. I know he was ecstatic about the attendance. Uh, the Raiders were at or around 95%. Day in and day out, over at the facility at Henderson in Gokwe, um, you know, Josh Jacobs, Quinton Jefferson, uh, three veterans who have proven track records uh, at this point, got the okay from John and the staff uh, to do their own thing during the voluntary phase of OTAs. It's all good. Um, everybody was on the same page. Uh, everybody was there basically uh, during uh, mandatory minicamp these last couple of days. Uh, this was hugely, hugely important um, for the foundation that the Raiders are trying to set and build uh, and, and what their goals are moving forward into training camp uh, and then really the, the the regular season. And it starts with the bang against the Baltimore Ravens opening night at Allegiant Stadium on Monday night um, against Lamar Jackson uh, and those guys uh, over in Baltimore. A week later uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, another big physical AFC North uh, team that's going to bring the hard hats and, and demand that the Raiders respond uh, in, in in kind. So it, it gets off with a bang to start off this season, and everything is going to be pointing toward that. Uh, and and this part of the off was, I think, hugely important. We've been talking about that over and over and over again. The Raiders missed out uh, on this last year, and. You know, last year is last year. No more need to rehash it or make the excuses or, or anything like that. But there were some valid explanations uh, for some of the areas that let down the Raiders last year, specifically, you know, on that defense. And um, we've, we've talked about it, whether it was the coaching, uh, whether it was guys, newcomers, you know, not having a chance to really get acclimated and, and fit in because there was no offseason. Some of those rookie players, Damon Arnett, some of the guys like Jonathan Abram, who had missed most of his rookie year, uh, trying to get reacclimated, But there was no offseason. Foster Moreau, who was coming off the knee injury uh, the year before, not being able to get into the building so the Raiders could look at his progress and monitor it. Um, he had to find different ways uh, to get back uh, without the benefit of, of checking in with the experts and the strength and conditioning coach throughout the offseason that was not available to the Raiders last year. Some teams were better equipped to deal with that than others. The Raiders offense was in a better position to deal with that than the Raiders defense. And we've, we've made this point so many times, you know, the Raiders' offense had the benefit of having a quarterback that was going into year three with the offensive coordinator and coach, basically, John Gruden. Um, you know, the being being the architect of that offense. Uh, and the and the system and Greg Olson uh, the the offensive coordinator, but they also had an offensive line, a veteran offensive line. Even with the injuries, you know, you still had uh, Gabe and 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 Rodney Hudson, some veteran leadership. Colton Miller, who was going into his third year, there's a lot of continuity. Darren Waller uh, coming back, Hunter Renfro coming back. Um, there was a lot to uh, a lot of veteran leadership on that offense. So that what you know, not having the offseason – didn't ding the offense as much as it did a defense that was implementing seven new starters, a bunch of young players. Um, and you know, looking back, you know, you can make the case that uh, the leadership just wasn't there from from the coaching perspective. Um, it is what it is. They made the changes. They've addressed some of the issues that were really hurting them in the talent, uh, you know, on the talent end of things. Unique and Gakway bringing in a Solomon Thomas, bringing in a Quentin Jefferson. Um, You know, I think those changes, Darius Phylon, uh, we'll see how much he has left in the tank after missing two years. Uh, A a deeper rotation along the defensive line, you can see it. I texted, texted somebody about this yesterday. Like you could visually see it how different that defensive line looks, how different the secondary looks, even, you know, talking about Damon Arnett and, and what all the changes mean for him. Does he respond uh, and, and lay claim to that job on the perimeter and say, no, you know, Casey, I know you don't want to move outside, but you're not taking my job. Does he respond uh, and, and hold on to that job? But even if he doesn't, there, you know, he could be a valuable reserve, and there's there's depth. You can see it. There's depth that safety. That safety room just looks so much better this year. Um, and now we'll see. Minicamp is over uh, the next time we check in with the Raiders is going to be July 27th when everybody shows up. Uh, so, uh, a lot of work got done this last couple of months, uh, culminating with the mini camp, uh, the final of, of, of mini camp today. I think the Raiders are in a much better position right now than they were at any point last year, uh, to really move forward, uh, with a lot of confidence and, um, with some, some more clarity, uh, than they did last year. So we'll see now they got to put it at, uh, turn it uh, into production on the field. And that starts with training camp, which is really right around the corner. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, which I want to say thanks to all the callers. You really uh, always bring it. Uh, thank you so much for that. I want to say thanks to Evan Grote um, for joining us, as he always does. I want to say thanks to Damon, Ar- Ar- D- Damon Arnett. Uh, Damon Cotton uh, for everything that uh, that he does, always making us sound good. I want to say thanks to Embod or Tequila uh, for all the great things you guys are doing. Uh, always appreciate it. We'll be back at it tomorrow for 4 to 6 p.m., we'll take another look uh, at minicamp, and we have a whole bunch of other quotes and sound from from players. Uh, and I'll share some thoughts of my conversation with Derek Carr as well. We'll check you out tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Video Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Imbacher.